Hello and welcome to The Book Album, your place for everything related to reading and language. I'm your host, Mackenzie Gentz. Now, bookmark that book and let's begin. Hello, hello and welcome to the show. Hello und herzlich willkommen zu unserem Podcast. You are listening to the last episode of Horrifying Classics 2022. Today we have a special guest, a one John McDormand. Hello, John. Hello. How are you today? I'm doing all right. I am up for the day. It's, it's, it's the morning for me because of the time difference, but I am up and moving, ready to talk about some Stephen King. Excellent. We did our last episode, episode five of Horrifying Classics, on the novel 11-22-63 by Stephen King, and we are going to talk about Stephen King's avoir and why John recommended this book for the series, and we might have a few bonus questions if you're up for that, John. Sure. Um, otherwise, yeah. Do you have any words before we get started? Uh, I don't. I didn't realize I was recommending the book for a podcast series. Maybe that's went over my head, and I was just kind of like, "You should read this book because it's like here's one that I enjoyed." So, to 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 hear all of a sudden that you know when I was listening to the the recording, you sent me, "Oh, he recommended for the podcast." I was like, "Okay, I I I I guess I guess I am a curator now for one single podcast with one single book." <laughs> You cannot put that on your resume. Uh, essentially, what it what that is, or I guess was, is that any person who recommends me any book is automatically making a recommendation for the podcast. So it's like the the two are one and the same to me. All right. Well, you've recommended it for my own personal reading, and therefore to the podcast. Okay. Well, I will keep that in mind for future book recommendations. <laughs> Wait, 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 what books do I want my name attached to? This one's a good one to start with. <laughs> you said this one was your favorite book. Am I correct on that? Uh, yeah, I probably said that. I'm sure I did. Was <laughs> well, that that's, right? That's, do you stand by that? Yeah. It's a good one. Okay. All right. Um, well, let's head into the interview questions. Uh, the first one is how long... Did it take to read this book and what gave you the motivation to keep going because it is a long one oh geez i don't even remember when i read it in the first place um i think i read this book like late middle school that's really early it's, for it's re- some of the stuff it's really early for a stephen book. king book yeah um I have no, I, I honestly, I don't remember how long it took me, but I, uh, I think the, the big, thick book that I read is somewhere in my mom's house back home, um, but, yeah, um, I just, you know, it, it's, it seems interesting, um, I, I don't think I knew who Stephen King really was at the time, but I, I saw this big, thick old novel about the Kennedy assassination. I think it took me a minute to realize it was actually a novel and not 
nonfiction. But yeah, I thought it sounded interesting, so I was like, hey, you know, why, why, why not? So did you think, like, what kept you going? What, where was the motivation factor in allowing you to continue reading it? Especially as someone so young, I feel like a lot of the more adult themes would have bored someone in middle school because, like, you know, either it was not something that was relevant for someone of that age group or, you know, perhaps was just kind of going over their heads in a certain sense. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure if I read it now, I would take a completely different message from it than I did then. Like, it would be a completely different book, but... Um, I read a lot up until, like, a lot, a lot up until, like, you know, 6th, 7th grade and, uh, you know, into 8th grade. I didn't really stop reading until I was in high school, but, um, the, the concept of a big, dense book wasn't really new to me, and... Yeah, I'm sure that I I missed a lot of the meaning behind to the you know the the adult themes. Um, we should clarify: adult not as in sex, but adult as in like just more mature. But um, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure. I mean, there is that too. Oh well, yes, uh, but yeah, I'm sure a lot of it just went over my head. But I think um, the people that read Stephen King will know that this man loves to weave three, four, five different storylines into the same book. Um, and I think just having the novelty of like, you know, oh, I'm starting to get bored of this one thing, but good, you know, he's going to jump around to something else. And I just kind of was able to switch around enough. And I think that kind of satisfied my need for novelty and, and kind of, you know, really kept me from getting too bored. Um, and of course, Stephen King is just a terrific author and a great writer, so that, that was certainly a benefit. Yeah, definitely. He writes in a very accessible and approachable way. Um, I find his writing to be very easy to read. Um, so for me, I have no problem whatsoever getting through more difficult books or you know, kind of losing motivation halfway through or, you know, like that, I read a lot of classics and I think certainly with classics, it's the case that the writing style um, for a lot of people becomes too challenging for people to like have the motivation to stick with it for long periods of time. Um, so I think, you know, maybe it's like partly the comparison of me reading a lot of more boring books than this or like I guess they're not more boring to me but they are they can be less engaging in this style that they're written um in but yeah I do think the accessibility of Stephen King's writing style does aid in my motivation and my willingness to finish the books what do you think sets this book apart from other Stephen King books I think the, the the scale of it is unique. Um, they, I mean, there are other Stephen King books that, you know, jump between 
decades to jump between places like it is a classic example of where like you're kind of going back and forth between two very distinct lives where like you you know like he keeps you tethered in like the lives of these children and then kind of jumps back and forth between their adult lives but i think 112263 doesn't just incorporate the time periods but there's so much more involvement with it you know like in order to pull off jumping between time periods that are so distinct and that people know so well i think as you mentioned on the regular like full episode he really has to know you know an extensive amount about the periods and places that he's writing about um which is just a huge project to undertake to 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 research all that i, I mean of course i'm sure it helps that he was alive during you know the 60s and already had a baseline of like knowing what to look for uh to reset the tone but i think at the same time it's it's I think it really goes above and beyond his his other works that, you know, will just kind of focus on a single time or will, you know, jump between periods but just focus on the lives of the main characters and, uh, like, fictional towns like Derry. So you gotta have something that people are so aware of and that is so ingrained in popular culture. I mean, the Kennedy assassination is just really, really well known and, you know, it's it's apt for conversation and, and controversy. So, I think to be able to engage with it so completely and pull it off as well as Stephen King does is quite unique and I think is indicative of, again, just how skilled of a writer he is. Do you think that it was necessary for him to kind of up his game in that sense and prepare so thoroughly for the historical premise part of the book, like in order to pull it off? Or do you think that was just icing on the cake and he could have overlooked some of the historical details that he did incorporate? The thing that I appreciate about him having it be so detailed is that it, it, I'd imagine, like, especially for someone that was alive at the time or that, you know, is an expert on, you know, to the time period, it, it really immerses you in the story. And I think unlike many other novels, like, including, I shouldn't say especially, but including that the ones that Stephen King writes it like has kind of a feel of like a fantastical nature to it you know like 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 with it or like you know I'm working my way through under the dome right now and like both of them have the kind of this like otherworldliness which isn't a bad thing necessarily and um I you know I I think for novels of those natures like you kind of need that a little bit but, mm-hmm. yeah, to be writing about something that is, 
again, so, like, ingrained in the American psyche, and that is, like, so central, I think, in many ways to just our national identity. It's really helpful to have that anchor to what actually happens. You can feel like like it's actually like a part of what's going on. Um, and yeah, I think I think it does a great service to the story to be able to have that connectedness and to be able to like actually relate to what's going on and actually like be able to map and track and feel like you're actually reading about someone that's actually in the 60s even though we know that he's jumping back to the normal yeah and i mean stephen king didn't complete the research for the book alone by any means he had point people who told him a lot about you know life in the 60s especially with regard to the city of dallas which is definitely not one of king's specialties and i think you know furthermore like the fact that stephen king lived through this time period did not necessarily make him an expert um so i find it in that sense even more impressive that he was able to encapsulate it so um so well and so thoroughly you know, he, I'm sure, like, as a writer, he, I, I can't, like, put words in his mouth or anything like that, but, you know, as a writer, sometimes the way of observing the world is different, um, and those kinds of minute details that show up in the novel might have been more apparent to him at the time, but, yeah, I do want to nod to the help that he did have in preparing the book, because, yeah, it wasn't just, like, him and... A computer. I'm sure, like, in some sense it was a little bit, but, you know, he had point people, um, for sure, in Dallas, in the different, in terms of the different, um, events that he undertakes. He had point people for, um, which possible futures, uh, and, like, sort of possible world events that could happen had Kennedy not been assassinated. So, like, he definitely, in terms of the philosophical nature of the book, it definitely was not um, a one-man show. Yeah, I mean, the, the good thing about having all those point people is it's not just Stephen King speculating. I think it really connects to the theme of people being, you know, being able to relate to it. Because, like, if, you know, if I, like, if someone was trying to write about, like, some big Chicago event, and here I am as a Chicago being like, why is this person from, you know, San Francisco just completely out of the blue deciding what to write about? And I think, you know, it's, I think it's helpful to, like, you know, to have people from Dallas that can kind of say, you know, this is how we react to things. This is kind of what goes on. And this is, you know, like, this is kind of the setting that you need to approach and the perspective to come from. I think it just does all the more to really ingrain the reader in the story to feel like they're actually reading again a guy going back to Dallas instead of to some place in, you know, Maine, for example, that just happens to be named Dallas and being Texas. Another thing that I actually, like, uh, really enjoyed what you were saying earlier about, um the novel kind of being distinctly American. 
Um, that's not something that I really thought about before, but of course is the case. Like, the Kennedy assassination uh, was a, a cultural turning point in American history, and we think, you know, there's so much. Like, Al Templeton in the novel is ultimately right. There's so much that would be 100% different, you know, or at least like 80% different had Kennedy not died. And I think um, it's kind of a cool, a cool nod to um, American history and American culture. And I didn't really think about um, like this novel in terms of its scope and everything. Um, one of the beautiful things about it is that it's, it is still very accessible and very enjoyable to read. Um, but I realized that for people who don't grow up in America and don't understand why the Kennedy assassination is such a big deal, you know, it might not be as accessible in that sense. Yeah. Um, do you find King's version of time travel with the yellow card man and all the different strings of time feasible? And what do you think about the alternate worlds that Jake ends up creating when he stops the Kennedy assassination, etc. That is really where you lose the relatability, I think, because the ways that someone wants to, you know, write or create or film time travel, you know, whatever medium they're using, I think is really up in the air in many ways, I think. Um, I think it, it it creates a really interesting setup and a premise to you know be able to track where you are. And I mean, I, I again, I think be doing that tracking, especially for something historical, is critical um, to like be able to know what timeline you're in and yada yada yada. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's really interesting. Like, like I, I. I I don't remember what the wormhole was. Like, it was, like, in some back room and led to, like, a dust town or something. Like, a train station off the top of my head. Um, that could be wrong. It's been a while since I read it. It was, um... In Al Templeton's burger, burger restaurant. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. In the pantry. A rabbit hole led to, essentially, the same spot, but where the old like an old manufacturing company or mill was yeah. in that town in Maine and there was like this um part of the mill or whatever you want to call it that was under construction and so you kind of have to pass through this construction zone in order to get to the rabbit hole yeah uh yeah I I think King does it well um and, yeah, I mean, the, the, the timelines are important, and I think the locations are important, so it, it's good to be able to track that and to just know where you are uh, throughout the book, um, where you are, when you are, and both at the same time. So, I've forgotten the question, but, yeah. Well, what do you think about the worlds that Jake ends up creating? Do you find those feasible? Was there ever a rationale given for why there was that earthquake right away? Yeah, because when you change time and you start changing things a lot and when you start creating more and more alternate realities, 
everything becomes more fragile. So the natural disasters are a result of like fissure, fissures in time. Huh. Um, yeah, I don't, of course I know a bit about, you know, Lyndon Johnson and the Vietnam War and kind of what came out of all of that. I don't know if I can much speak to it. The one thing that I have the biggest gripe with is the nuclear issue because Kennedy spent so much time defusing nuclear war and trying to move past it and I think that that became so I mean like the Kennedy assassination like Cuban Missile Crisis Cold War around that time like it I think like it I don't think it's uh, wrong necessarily to say that that's kind of when the anti-nuclear sentiment was really cemented in the American mindset to say that like we're not yeah but then in the 1980s with Reagan you know and kind of the reinforcement of the military and reinforcement of the military and use of nuclear weapons are two different things in my mind you i mean we can go invade as many countries as we want and still just not use nuclear weapons um and i mean um even even if you can work your way around that i still think that like the U.S. is, you know, we're still developing nuclear weapons now. There are a lot of countries developing nuclear weapons, but despite all of the instability that has occurred since the 60s, no one's used nuclear weapons. And considering... Yeah, like, no one's used them, but I think that there's an argument that um, the de-escalation of nuclear power did not start in the 60s, um, maybe stymied in the 60s, but like if you think about like Reagan's Star Wars program in 1984, that the whole concept of that and like the whole budget for that, like the millions and millions, probably more than that worth of dollars that the American government put towards that program was in pursuit of development of nuclear weapons for defense. Yes, I don't know. Maybe this is a whole conversation. I don't want to get down the rabbit hole, but... Yeah, I, I just think that Kennedy... Pun intended. What? Rabbit hole? Pun intended. Did I have a pun? Because rabbit hole. Rabbit hole, hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, That was not intended. On my part. But, um... You could pretend. <laughs> I could pretend. But, yeah, I just... I don't see Kennedy as one that would have used nuclear weapons. And maybe, you know, like... Oh, but Kennedy wasn't the one who used nuclear weapons in the book. It was um, the guy who was after Kennedy. Yeah, so the next sense was maybe the guy that would have been elected after Kennedy would have changed things. But I... Yeah, I, th- I think that, like, the... I think that there's at least a consideration that Kennedy would have set a culture of not using it. So I think that that is the one fact that, I mean, at the very least, is up in the air and I think is less uh, certain to have happened. But I think, aside from that... I think that the, the general future that uh, 
King presents isn't entirely unreasonable, and while I think that we certainly wouldn't have reached a complete nuclear wasteland, perhaps save people actually using nuclear weapons, I still think that it is very possible that we would have pursued wars completely differently, and therefore would have faced a completely different, if not more militaristic world, so... Interesting. Um, what aspects of the novel are you particularly drawn to? Or I suppose, were you particularly drawn to in this case? Um, I think the time travel was a big one for me. Uh, specifically, uh, the ways that time traveling itself shapes... time traveling basically um you know to to consider that like going back into the past resets the timeline and i you know like how kind of jake's physical changes kind of persist as he goes back and forth Mm -hmm. you know like to like kind of go back you know like go into the sexiest beat six years older and then come back and just be six years older in the real world. I think that that was what the, um, I think that was really at the core for me of understanding the book and understanding how, yeah, just time travel in general changes the world and changes the future and changes people. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, I I I, th- I think that was really the center of how I understood the book and kind of at the core of how I approached it and how it presented itself to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and certainly, it's I would call it maybe the biggest aspect of the novel um, yeah. in terms of something that drives plot and storyline. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you read a lot of Stephen King. Um, this is something that I've observed for a long time. And my question to you is what sets Stephen King apart from other writers, in your opinion? Um, he's just a damn good writer, what can I say? Um, I... Yeah, but there's tons of other really good writers out there. I... I think one of the things that I really, really appreciate about Stephen King is, like, he assumes that his readers are really smart, which I really appreciate. Like, he doesn't really have to dumb down every anything for it. He just kind of says, like, okay, here's your premise, we're gonna go, you know, like, let's get moving, and, like, he just kind of expects you to be able to keep track of everything and to kind of know what's going on and I really appreciate that and I I think at the end of the day like he really like he knows his stories and he really tries to draw you in and I think you know like the fact that there's always so much going on at you know in one particular moment is really captivating and I think it really draws me in and I think it kind of really challenges people it certainly challenges me to kind of kind of keep track of all the themes all the power balances or imbalances all of the mm-hmm. timelines and effects and all that 
and I really appreciate that. I you know I there's always something to be said about the linear timeline of like we're gonna just go from A straight to B, um, and of course in many ways Stephen King does that, but at the same time I think that he interweaves a lot of really intense themes and moments and characters in a really effective way. I agree with that. Um, I mean, I do think that part of the reason why he's able to deal with so much is because his writing is, again, very approachable and very accessible. Um, You know, if you wrote in, like, I don't know, our, like, modern... He's kind of, like, in a sense, like, our Dickens. You know, like, Dickens' style was, in the day, very approachable and accessible for people. He used humor in the first third of his career to, like, help people better understand writing and to be drawn more to literature and reading in general. So, like, I think in that sense, it's it's interesting to compare that Stephen King's prose is accessible, so he can assume that his readers are going to understand more than maybe in other circumstances they would because he he kind of chews the food for them <laughs> in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. Do you have... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to repeat that, basically. Okay. I've got nothing new. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you agree. (laughs) Um, Do you have any questions for me before we wrap up? Anything you were wondering about about the book from my perspective? How how does it relate to the other Stephen King books you read? Uh, You have to listen to uh, my episode... (laughs) To find that do, out, that's you, the last thing I talk about in the episode. Do you trust my book recommendations enough, or...? Yeah, yeah, I trust your recommendations. Um, I didn't realize that you had read this book so long ago, and I would definitely recommend that you read it again, whether as an audiobook or as something else, but... Um, yeah, no, I definitely... Yeah, I'm, I'm curious yeah, how I would definitely. the experience of reading it as an audiobook and not as a paperback. I mean, do you kind of prefer audiobooks in general, or... Have, like, like, what's the... Ex- uh, no, when I... Yeah, when I um, read audiobooks, it's typically because I don't have access to English books. Um, you know, of my choice. I could easily probably Amazon some of the books from, for example, Horrifying Classics, but um, yeah, ultimately it comes down to a question of access um, and, you know, (laughs) whether I want to spend the time and the money trying to track down these books or, you know, whether I just want to get a Kindle version or get an audiobook version. the second thing is, as a rule, I typically read Stephen King books, um, the long ones, as audiobooks. Um, I do prefer that in some ways because it's... I always have it with me. <laughs> I don't have to lug this like huge book around. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, I don't know. It takes It takes me longer to get through, and I think in some ways that's a good thing because... It allows me to take more time to think about it. Yeah. Um, in between reading and all of that. So, like, I think even at 1.5 speed, 
I'm still able to read the books in a much slower, at a much slower pace than I would if I was just speed reading the whole book. So I think it, it's also kind of a device that allows me to take more time with it. Sweet. Well. All right. Well, I love you. Thank you for this interview. Of course, I will look forward to seeing a non-PTA with me in it popping up in my Spotify podcast. (laughs) Excellent. Well, for all of our listeners out there, thank you for listening. We will be back next week with a non-horrifying classics, non-December Dickens episode, our um, classic transition episodes in November. I have a couple interesting ones planned about my circumnavigation this past summer and a couple books that I'm reading in German. Bye. Bye. I love you. If you enjoyed the episode and would like to hear more from us, we've done everything from Shakespeare to Dracula. There really is a show and a series for everyone, so I'd recommend checking out our website at relevanceofliterature.com under the ongoing series tab for links to our entire back catalog of episodes, as well as any current goings-on of our show. If you are looking for even more content, we also have a Patreon page at patreon.com slash relevanceofliterature. Thank you so much for your support, and we'll see you next time.